Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Rush Nation, before we get into today's show, let me tell you about ExpandTheBoxScore.com, putting advanced statistics in your hands like never before. They've sifted through every game together and saw every statistic you could possibly want to make better informed breakdowns of players and teams, and they're doing it for a peasant's price. The NFL package is just $15, and Total Football, which is NFL and college, is just $25 for a year's subscription. If you're playing DFS in any leagues for money, this is, without a shadow of a doubt, the easiest investment you'll ever make. Head over to expandtheboxscore.com to start your subscription now. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. That's enough trumpet. Rush Nation, we're back. Sorry it's later than uh, you know we said, but life got in the way once again. But it won't stop us completely. It's just a barrier we have to smash through. And guess what? The big man is back. We're not quite in the studio. Well, I am, and Murph's chair is empty, but he is on the other end of the interwebs. Murph, welcome back, man. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks, mate. Good to be back. Um, I'm currently just at the departure lounge in uh, Botswana, trying to find my way back. It's been uh, been an experience being here in Botswana. I must, uh, I must admit, uh, I've found myself, really understood myself as a person, um, I just want to jump in and say I had nothing to do with this dodgy pub deal. It was all rich. It was all rich. Well, it, do you know what? It, it's funny because uh, people have been talking to me. They've they seen some things on Instagram 
Andrew Luck and uh, he was saying he wants to travel and you know it, it's because he follows me on Instagram and he saw the, the lovely <laughs> sights of, of Botswana and and what it had to offer and he messaged me and said you know should I uh, take travel the world and I was like no 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 you should you should play for the Colts he's like but I look at your pictures and it's so inspiring it's so beautiful I think I I think I need to quit my quit my job and I was like you gotta do you brother but I wouldn't but you know <laughs> So really, what Rich has done to try and get my job is he has sent me to Botswana, which has therefore caused Andrew Luck to retire from the NFL. So if if you've drafted Andrew Luck and now he's retired and you're really unhappy, uh, at RichKing underscore uh, FF on Twitter, uh, and let him know that he has ruined your fantasy season. Uh, And Dynasty, if he's ruined your Dynasty team forever. You know, just just message Rich on Twitter because he needs to know. Yep, my dynasty's been ruined, Rich. So, Rich King underscore FF on Insta, Twitter, Twittergram. That's Insta, Twittergram. They should make that one thing. <laughs> Just get with them both. Yeah, on Twitter. Go at Rich, because I know he's ruined my season, and not just because of Andrew Luck, but because the Botswana and currency has taken a huge dive now. Murph has left the country, and I was invested in the oil over there, so it's Listen, not good at all. Can, can I just say, we're never talking about travel currency again. To tune in. <laughs> how, do, how do we end up with the travel currency hour? I, I, I leave Rich in charge for a couple of, we're not even in charge, just to fill a seat for a couple of weeks and we end up talking about international currency. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know how that happened. I do know that I'd never heard of any single of the currencies either. So, but we, now you're back, Murph. We don't have to fill voids with currency chat. We can talk fantasy football considering football is now four days away. Four days yeah. away, yeah. So just over four days away. With uh, so you know, pull the curtain back a little bit. We uh, we were going to do this on on Saturday, and then uh, yeah, some life things got in the way, and um, mostly from my end and the little boy and everything. So uh, having a child does make some adjustments, but it's been good. Um, but actually, it's worked out well because we've got some things we should catch people up on in terms of fantasy football and. Uh, with what happened with the cuts yesterday and some breaking news with trades and what that can mean for my DP leagues, for fantasy leagues. So we can do a little bit of that. Um, I've been rummaging for some stats. We've got some of that and then we've got a cracking show ahead. Yeah, we've actually got a probably season. It is season first. We're into the second season now. and It's the first Murph on the streets. That's it, Murph. Now you're doing it once. You've got to do it every week, mate. It's, I don't know what you're doing next week, but you're going to have to find some real gems out of the wasteland that is the stat market at the moment. Listen, I've managed to pull stats from pre-season. So by doing that, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll be fine. I'll follow from anywhere. Anyone that knows me knows I love a good stat. So <laughs> we will uh, we'll pull some gems out. I might as well go into it then. Um, so can you tell me how many pre-season games the Ravens have won in a row? Do you know this? I don't know this. This is obviously quite a high number. How many, uh, how many pre-season games do you think they have won in a row? Thirteen. Ooh. Nope. Seventeen. They are seventeen and zero in their last seventeen preseason games. Their last loss was September the third, twenty fifteen. Wowzers! So they have won. To put that in perspective, that's four years of preseason games in a row. <laughs> that's pretty good going. Not losing at all. Yeah, it's not losing a preseason game. I mean, it's a shame that they can't do it in the regular season. Well, this but... year, maybe this year. I mean. <laughs> John Harbour and uh, and preseason. I mean, he he is basically the Bill Belichick of preseason. 
So <laughs> I, th- I don't think he's ever been called that before. But yeah, congratulations, John. Every time I talk about John Harbour on the show now, it's going to be the John Harbour, the Bill Belichick preseason. Uh, and that is going to be his official title. So congratulations to you. You've been given a new title by me. <laughs> Amazing. So today's show, Murph said we have got a good one, and it is good. Uh, not only oh, I've got more stats. I'm not done. Oh, you paused. You took a long pause. I thought you just reveling. It's not intention. Okay, here we go. Okay. So, no team has ever won a playoff game in a season where they have scored under 43 preseason points. Now, there was one team this preseason that that scored under 43 points. So can you tell me who that is and therefore is not going to win a playoff game this year? So is that total points throughout the preseason? Correct. Total points in the four games of the preseason. The Rams. One team scored under 43 points. The Rams. No, I'll give you a clue. They're AFC. That doesn't really help me. Well, Uh, that's half the teams. (laughs) I've shortened the field for you. Hmm. Who hasn't scored? See, I I haven't seen all the games because they've been strung out over entire weekends and stuff. I... Um, uh, any more hints, Murph? Okay. Um, they weren't a playoff team last year. Oh, I suppose that limits them a little bit. Well, yeah, about six more. <laughs> six more of them. You'd have ten. You've got a ten percent chance of getting this right. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Bingo. The yes. Jacksonville Jaguars. They uh, they managed to accumulate a whopping in the preseason. I tell you now, twenty nine points. <laughs> Shut out by the Ravens, 10 against the Eagles, 7 against the Dolphins, and 12 against the Falcons. 29 points. They will not be winning a playoff game this year. Call that a prediction. Call that fact. Whatever you want to do. It's, uh, it, it's bona fide. It's uh, statified. Run, run, run down to the local bookmakers and whack on the Jaguars not making the playoffs. Yes. It, it does say not won a, a playoff game. So it's that they could make the playoffs and therefore lose the wild card round or whatever. But so no team has ever won a playoff game when in a season where they scored under forty three points in the off season. So um, and the last one is because I love the Buccaneers. I might have shared this one with you already. Um, but Ryan Griffin passed for seven hundred and forty four yards in the preseason, which was the most by a quarterback in the preseason for thirteen years. Can you do you take a stab at who who it was that set this? Uh, I'll give you a clue. He's retired, but he's still very much a part of the game. Uh, Kurt Warner. No. 2013. No, 2006. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I've got nothing. I would say he's the voice of the NFL now. Tony Romo. Tony Romo. Huh. Tony Romo in 2006 had 833 games. So Ryan Griffin, who has played as many... Um, minutes in the regular season as I, you and I have uh, is the first person to go anywhere near that in <laughs> in 13 years. I bet he doesn't make a game, he doesn't play this year either. Well, if James gets injured, he will, but uh, if he doesn't, yeah. So um, Ryan, Ryan Griffin's been in the NFL six years. He was drafted by the Saints and then he uh, came to the Bucks. And he has made a little over $8 million in his time in the NFL without playing a single minute. Fair play. The guy's doing that right. <laughs> hey, I'm, done. I'm done with the streets. Oh, fair. Well, they were good. It was, it was nice to have them back in my life. I've missed them. The, being not on the streets has, has cost me to go soft. So now we're back on the streets. I can toughen up again. And uh, <laughs> oh, man, like, I'm... As much as I enjoy fantasy football, this draft season has absolutely wiped me out. 
I think there's been one day since probably, I don't know, April, April. 9th that I haven't been drafting. Is it, what's wrong with me? I'm, oh, I'm done now. So I, I am done. There's, there's no more picks to be made. Yeah, wait, hold up, hold up. This has got something to say on this. If you're in my division in the FFC, just pick your players on auto queue and let's get this done. Because for the love of God, what is taking so long? And I'm talking to you, Bob Lung and Scott Bogman and professionals in the industry. Like, this is a joke. So I don't know who I've got in the first round of the FFC, but you're getting smacked and then I'm going to beat everyone on the way to the final. Because the amount of time I'm now invested in this, I have to get there. <laughs> Listen, it has not been as slow as your Eurovision draft, which, because I'm on the emails, was getting the notifications that you were picking nine days after my draft was done. And I sit there, it's like, you're on the clock. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure I picked. Oh, it stopped. Okay, you're in the 14th round. You made it to the 14th round by the time I drafted 22 players. It was, and it's not your fault. I'm just saying that, like, that was bad. Um, we're in the DWG5. That took a while. Are you still drafting in that, I'm aren't still you? still drafting. And do you know <laughs> what the nice thing about that is? I picked the one spot. So is that best ball or is that lineup? No, it's best ball. Okay, good. Because <laughs> <laughs> I picked from one. So I took Saquon Barkley, obviously. And then, because it's 15-team league, which is random anyway, it's then 29 picks till I pick again. And when it's <laughs> eight hours per pick, you just you make a couple of picks right next to each other and then come back in five days. It's ridiculous. Like, what am I doing? What are you all doing? Come on. Uh, it's quite funny. As a note on the FCC, uh, so as much as I have been off the pod, um, <laughs> I probably would have needed the time just to help uh, get this sorted because um, it's been a lot of work. It's been great. Uh, a lot of people interact. It's been great. But my biggest bugbear is the people that sign up to the tournament, uh, log into fan tracks, not once, but twice, because we the way that it's set up, you have to be in like two different leagues, um, go through that whole process and then not show up to make a pick. <laughs> like there were... I think in the end, I think I booted about 28 to 29 players. Same on you. Um, Not you, them. Shocking. I mean, it's 10% of the field, but it's just annoying that we put these things in place and then it's just really hard not just to replace them, but then all the admin that goes into replacing the teams um, twice and then the matchups and everything because the matchups were done and then we had to reconfigure them and uh, and everything. And that was quite frustrating. And then we had an owner leave. Uh, we've only had one owner leave since the first round Um, and that's because he decided uh, every single day send us a tweet moaning about uh, the clock saying this is slow basically we'd rather watch paint dry than draft in this league and everything it was like why is the pace so slow this is ridiculous and I went in and logged in and saw that he was the ninth fastest drafter out of 12 so it's like people in people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. If you've eight guys in your division picking faster than you and you're moaning about the pace, <laughs> if you pick up the pace, the faster the, the faster the draft will go, right? Because you're holding up eight people that pick faster than you. So you can moan about the pace. And this is my, my bugbear. People that moan about the pace in drafts, listen, I'm one of these people, sometimes I get really frustrated when drafts don't kick on. But if you are not picking, if your pick is, if your average time per pick is, under 15 minutes and you're really unhappy with the pace of the draft, I think you'll, you'll, you can validate that to a degree. I think you've got to allow seven to 10 days for a slow draft to complete uh, before you really kick off. But if you've got 
if you're not picking, like, if your average time per pick is like an hour, hour and a half, you've no right to complain. I'm sorry, I'm just not interested because you are just as slow as everybody else, if not slower. So if you're unhappy with the pace of the draft, pick your own pace up and then watch the draft go faster. But for the most part, I think most of the drafts will be done by the time this goes out. And then I think there'll just be a couple left and have to get creative as to what we can do to get them done. I think the slowest draft is in the 17th round now, which is about five rounds to go. So there's going to be some challenges over the next couple of days to get a few of them done. Um, We've been urging people to auto pick, but uh, people who aren't in the FFCC don't probably want to listen to this much more, but uh, it's been great fun. Thank you to everyone who's interacted and please remember to donate. It is a charity league to Fancy Care. So please make sure you hit that donation button and donate. Oh, sure. And uh, do, yeah, head over to the website, fiveyardrush.co.uk, because the bracket is now live. It's up on the website. Click on the FFCC link and you'll be able to see who you're paired with. And if you are paired with a pro, then why not at them on Twitter and give them some stick with the hashtag FFCC, just because it would be fun if a pro gets beat by a Joe. So don't beat me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we go. So we've got some news now. If we'd done this yesterday, there would have been absolutely nothing. But today, there's been cuts, trades. It's just all happened. No, it's it's gone crazy. Now, we knew with the cut deadline there were going to be some things happening. Um, you know, there were some cuts we'll get to that we were kind of expecting and they've happened. There was one or two um, trades that happened that, you know, we could have maybe seen coming. But there was a couple just completely out of left field. And I just crazy i mean there's two teams in particular um that this is just nuts like what they've done this off season in terms of trades especially over the last 24 36 hours is mad <laughs> like it's just it's like they're playing madden because i can't imagine it's real <laughs> <laughs> well we might as well start with the biggest one of the lot go down to the lone star state texas over to houston what are the texans doing i mean the first of all they trade Clowney to the uh seahawks you know, that was expected. He didn't. But for a third round pick, like yeah, a third yeah. round pick and a player, so it's yes, okay. He might not have played, and I get that the value of a player who is threatening to hold out an entire season is therefore difficult. But I have to believe that somebody somewhere can pay more than a third round pick for Javin Clowney. Like I just cannot believe that they've they've got. Yeah, we'll take that. That's fine. Yeah, he's just mad. Like he is—he's so young still. He's only at the end of his rookie contract. He's not even like in his thirty. Like if it's AB, like AB, I thought the cost was low—a third and a fifth for AB. But given his age and some of the things he's come out with this off season, I think you think, yeah, okay, look, we'll just get rid and we get a couple of picks. Like I almost think that's almost fair, but. I just think this is such a bad trade. Uh, and I know you've got to trade him because he doesn't want to play, but you've put yourself into this situation because you weren't willing to pay him when you've got the cap space to pay him. <laughs> and then now you're getting mm, pretty much nothing back. A third round pick. I mean, you'll probably get a running back next year with that and that might fill a hole. But that might also be the first time they pick next year, which we'll get onto in just a moment. <laughs> so, yeah, not only did they send uh, Clowney away, they then traded for... Jeremy Tunsil and uh, Kenny Stills from yep. the Dolphins. And that was for two players that I don't even know who they were. And then two first-round picks and a second-round pick. I don't know what is going on here. Uh, Bill O'Brien, has, is, is like, it's like being a kid and you've 
being taken into a sweet shop. Your dad is like the president or something. And basically they've closed the stores, no one else in there. And they've just said, just go nuts. Just take what you want. Don't worry about the repercussions. Just, you know, you might be sick. You might, you know, be ill for a week with all the sweets you're going to eat. But Bill O'Brien is just, he's just gone, right. Andrew Luck's retired. I have to win. That's it. This is the window. So baby out with the bath water. We're going all in. And they've hemorrhaged the entire future of the franchise for the next three years on this. Because Tunsil's a good player. Like, this is a position of need. So let's get this right. He is someone that will improve that offensive line. But because the rest of it is so trash anyway, it's like, it is a, it is an upgrade, but it's not enough of an upgrade to warrant what they paid. I mean, two firsts and a second, that is a quarterback price. I mean, that is something that like you would expect for Aaron Rodgers, for, you know, Deshaun Watson. That's the kind of price you're looking at for those players. So it's a bayout for left tackle, which is an important position. It, madness, absolute madness. And, you know, we know Miami are in the market of getting getting more picks. They, they're clearly in a, in a tank mode. It's just amazing. Apparently, I've just been reading from Andrew Brand that Houston have also paid Clowney seven million bucks to leave. <laughs> it's part of the salary to help make it happen. So not only did they get a third and like take a hit on it, but they've also paid him to go. I just, it's just madness. Like, I just think you've upgraded the line ever so slightly. You've moved it from abysmal to quite a bit below average with Tunsil because he's a good player, but he cannot, he can't play five. He can't play five position on the line. He can't. He can't play all five positions. He's got to play left tackle, which is important, the most important. But he's got rubbish across the line. So I just don't understand it. I think it's such a mental, a mental trade. This and if they do not win the Super Bowl or go deep in the playoffs, Bill O'Brien's got to be sacked because he's literally set his stall out there now. Because he he's not he's not going to have anything else to go to back himself up. Because next year they're not going to get any players. Because they've traded the first and the second next year. And next year is possibly the deepest year for years as well. So what you, it's all or nothing, isn't it? They've gone full to the wall. But they put themselves in this position because they drafted badly. They took Titus Howard in the first round, who was a third-round talent at best. Uh, and he's someone who I do not think... I mean, the fact is they've selected him. He is not good enough to start on that terrible line. That should give you every indication that they just... They just got it wrong. They got jumped by the by the Eagles for the player that they wanted. They panicked. They took O line help that isn't really going to help them all that much. They, you know, they sacked the GM because the draft was so bad. <laughs> they said, "Bill, take over." You know, you you've come from the Bill Belichick system. You've watched how he's been GM and and coach, and surely you can you can copy him. Well, he can't. <laughs> um, and then he's gone out there and he's you know traded Clowney, um, who the most stable. Um, talented pass rush. I mean, yes, you can. you've got what out there, but is he going to play 16 games this season? Probably not. Um, then you get nothing back for that third round pick and you've had to pay some money out. I mean, they've got loads of cap room this year, so the 7 million is pretty redundant, I guess, but it's just hilarious. Um, then you've got, um, you know, you bring in Tunsil, good good addition. Stills, they could have got for nothing. I mean, I don't know how much of him was in this trade because the Dolphins were going to cut him because he'd fallen out with the owner. I mean, He's not bad as a wide receiver for you, stretch the field. He's got something to him, but is he now fantasy relevant now that he's moved? 
he, you have to wait for Fuller or you have to wait for Will Fuller to, to get injured, which is possible. I mean, he gets injured every year, but until that happens, he's not fantasy relevant. Oh my goodness. Do you remember me telling you I drafted Kenny Stills? Yeah. Where was that? Can you remember where I drafted him? I think that was in, was, it was in the FFCC or the DWG. Oh God. It's in a division where you're not. It's in a league that you're not going to have to. You're not going to be able to do anything out of it. He's going to sit. But best ball, it's fine. Like in best ball, if you're getting him late, I don't mind it because he will have some games where he can flash. But as a season long, he's not relevant because he's not going to get a lot of game time. You've got a, a wide receiver who has just moved four five days before the start of the season, so he doesn't know the playbook. He's not getting on the field straight away. By the time he learns the playbook and gets relevant, that's a few games. Then he's got to build chemistry with the uh, quarterback, which he's got no preseason time to do that or any camp to do that. So he's not got the time. And then by the time he gets up and running, you're looking at maybe October, November. By that point, Will Fuller probably will be injured because he is every year. And then all of a sudden, you think for a few games, he might flash. Um, and as a DFS player that sort of time, I think, yeah, it could be quite good. And the best ball, you probably get a couple of weeks where he will appear in your lineup. But in a season long, yeah, I, I, until Fuller gets injured, he's not really relevant for me. So I, I need to adjust my rankings and move him well down my board um, because the opportunity for him now is is so diminished, even though he is on a better team. Um, and then they've also picked up the Texans because they've been so busy. They picked up Carlos Hyde uh, from the Chiefs. So they've been really busy acquiring other than tons of mediocre talent. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do this year. They've obviously set the stall out to go and win the AFC South. They might do it. Um, but uh, they, they're what they've cost, I mean, they're, they're, gonna ha- they're not going to be picking until the third round next year. Uh, they've given away the first round in 2021. I just don't, I don't really get it. But, you know, I guess your win now window is so small. Go for it. Yeah. So much will stay with the Chiefs. They did uh, trade high to the Texans. And then uh, Sean McCoy got cut by the Bills. So they then picked up Shady. I was pretty sure Damian Williams was going to be the man over there. And now I'm, you know, they they said he was going to be the man. And they said it was going to be a running back by committee when he picked up a little bit of a hamstring injury. And now all of a sudden, I, I don't know what to think over there anymore. I don't think, I think the only person this really hurts, if I'm, if I'm being honest, the only person I see really getting arrowed down now is, um, is Dexter Williams. But, because he's the one now that everyone was like, he's, going, he's the two, Darwin, Darwin Thompson, not Dexter Williams. Because now Darwin is, is arrowed down because he was the two with all the talent, could potentially come through um, and challenge... Damian Williams later on in, in in the season and could win more touches and, and and become a bit of a reliever back. So he was someone that I was starting to take in the last few rounds of draft. And then his, his, when um, it, more talk that Hyde was going to get cut um, and he got traded in the end, but we were pretty confident he wasn't going to be on that roster. So we, you know, I started taking his price went up. He started going in like the 10th and 11th round. If you have taken... Uh, Darwin Thompson, the 10th, 11th round here, you're pretty much done because Shady will come in and he'll he'll take some touches. I still think Damian Williams is the back. I wouldn't be overly worried about the, at least the start of the season, I wouldn't be overly worried about him. It's durability, whether he can last the season and then how quickly does Shady get up and running? Because again, he's not had any time. He's still got to learn the pace of the offense. He's also, let's be honest, he's not been very good the last couple of years. Um, and he, that 
that O-line in Kansas is not bad, but it's not great. It's not like if he'd gone to somewhere with a really, really sharp offensive line, I'd have been a bit better about it. Like it, it's okay, but if he if he'd gone to somewhere like the Rams as cover, I think that would be a real bad sign if you're a girly owner. I think if you're at Kansas City, I think it's there'd be something there, but I wouldn't be too worried at this point. But things can change. Yeah, for sure. So we've got a few more cuts. I mean, Shady got cut and then joined the Chiefs, as we just mentioned. My boy Demarius Thomas has been cut by the Patriots. Christian Way, English guy, British guy, got cut from the Bills, which is a shame. I mean. It, it was always going to be a stretch for him to make the roster. And but then, uh, there's yeah. something about Christian Wade. I just want to chime in for fans here. So I don't know if a lot of people know this. Now, he's been cut, but there's every chance he'll be on the practice squad in Buffalo next year. So he has to clear waivers. So someone, one of the 32, 31 other teams, can put a waiver claim in for him and add him to their 53. That's probably unlikely. So he will go back to the Bills and he'll be on their practice squad. And because he's part of the International Player Pathway program, they get an extra practice squad spot. So it's a no-brainer for the Bills to keep him on the practice squad because it's not costing them an extra spot. So he is still going to be continuing his development in the NFL. And, and a lot of people might be shocked because they see him flash for that 60-something yard of TD and um, that big run and catch that, that he put on and um, the 40-odd yards. And it's like, wow, he's made these two big plays. I mean, he was playing against the thirds. And that's a, you know, you can look great in, in preseason, but he wasn't playing against NFL starters. So it's great that he can play to that level and he, he's pulled out some plays, but he's still very early into his development. And that's what's key. So he's going to have a year to just continue to learn his trade and be better. And we'll see if he can make an appearance next year. But uh, it's not the end of Christian Wade in the NFL just because he's been cut. Good news all around then. And then finally, Jakai Polite's been cut after just being drafted. Interesting numbers. I thought that that was, to me, probably the most shocking cut because you, you don't really hear of third round, second round, first round draft picks in that year getting cut. Now, we talked about Jakai Polite on the show um, when, with his interview with Green Bay and he clearly uh, rubbed people the wrong way, he clearly has a, a chip on his shoulder and he, you know he, he clearly has a high opinion of self-worth and, and doesn't like to take criticism was what was what came out. So this is another massive sign that not talent-wise but player and headspace-wise isn't cut out for the NFL. Now, I I would be surprised if he didn't make it off waivers I think someone's got to take him because the talent's there I think he's an excellent excellent player um and you know I I don't think you can have enough defensive tackles especially ones with him that are you know they're very quick off the line he he has great hands great technique he's a first round graded player it's just the mental space and I think it's someone that I I personally would love to see him at Tampa where there's a bit of a shortage with with JPP um, you know, Vita Vea and those injury concerns, you know, he's someone that you would potentially consider having on that line as a bit of an extra help because I think he's better than maybe the, the fifth, six guys there that you can you can pick off. And I think it'd be nice if, but I can't see it happening, but that's one for me I'd, I'd like. And he's a Florida boy born and raised. Um, Miami might decide to spend a waiver claim on him because he's young and he's cheap um, and that might fit into what they're doing. Um, 
it'd be interesting to see. But I'd be surprised if, if someone didn't take him because he was a first round grade. It was just the the way that he handled feedback and the interviews that really let him down to be a third grounder. And then clearly the Jets organization just didn't get on with him. And, you know, it's not exactly like Greg Williams is the easiest kind of world. To... No, I was just going to say that. He almost, he's clearly got the ball skills because he had the first round grade and maybe Greg Williams wasn't the person to have him under his wing and, and try and develop the personal side. So he needs to go somewhere with a coach that can, can coach him the way he likes to be coached maybe. And then, that first round grade talent might well appear and somebody might get an absolute bargain. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think I think that's important. I think it's important to understand that if if you can find a coaching staff that have a bit more, I don't want to say tolerance, because I don't think you should have a tolerance to negative behavior, but people that can sit him down and explain. And, and that's why I think Tampa could be quite a good fit because one, he's from Florida. So I think he, he will treat the situation a little bit different. He's closer to home. He's near his family. Um, even if you put him on the practice squad, I mean, at, at worst. But I think you, you've got something there with him. Uh, second, you've got someone like Bruce Arians who can explain. He can get. You look at these people that he's turned around their careers who, who struggled. I mean, Tyron Matthews, just the, the, the creme de the creme of, of what he's turned around. Someone that didn't even finish university because he was kicked out for, for drug offences. And he took a chance on him and he sat him down and explained and I think Tyron Matthew is a, as a model professional. Now we're not talking about someone who he's never in the press for the wrong reasons. He's, he's not got those drug issues anymore. He's clean. He's sober. He, um, you know, he takes the game very seriously. Um, he might come out and say a couple of outrageous things. He's just a leader and he's a character guy. Like, but those issues are in the past. And I think a lot of that is, is due to the Bruce Arians effect of sitting him down and explaining how life works. And, you know, Tyron Matthew credits Bruce Arians himself for that turnaround. So I think that's uh, a big thing. And I think you need a coach who it's, it's got that kind of person. I think Brian Flores does have a bit of that. I, don't, I wouldn't say necessarily to the same degree. And I don't know Brian Flores as well as Bruce Arians, but he seems to strike me as the kind of guy that's a very good people manager um, from what I've seen so far. And I think he's someone that can, that can help. I think if you can, if he can find a landing spot that's close to home in Florida and somewhere that he can uh, find a coach that's going to sit him down and explain the game and the headspace for it. I think that's important. For sure. So that's your news, Rush Nation. Went on a little bit longer, but it was expected because Murphy's, you know, he's back. So <laughs> we, we always talk about how much we talk. So yeah. the rest of the show is going to be dedicated to a round-by-round. Murph and I have selected 15, 16 players that we like from each round. No, that's not 15 from the first because there's normally only 12. It's one from each round. We've got one each and we're going to go until the clock stops. Let's go. Right, Murph, seeing as you're back, you might as well go first. Who's your first round pick? <laughs> Thanks, mate. Well, so, yeah, so let's, let's take the, the top three out of the equation here. So uh, Barkley, uh, CMC and Kamara, um, we could take them out. They're, they're obviously the one, two, three of the draft. Um, you could probably add Zeke back into that top four tier with news yesterday that it looks like they're nearing an agreement for um, for a contract for him to, to bring him back. So it's not official yet, so I won't quite do that. But assuming that all goes through as as, as expected to be now, they're the bona fide top four, so let's uh, let's part them because you're going to take them in the the ones or four spots. So for me, if I'm looking at uh, based on ADP and where I can get players, um, and it also depends on, on where you're picking, and I think that's such a big part of um, of this. As you go through the rounds, it becomes less important perhaps where you're picking. It depends how you're building your roster, right? But um, I'm a player that I'm, I'm sort of targeting in the, the late first round. Uh, we've picked a lot from the 10, 11, 12. It's James Connor. I just think 
for me, James Conner is a player who's primed to improve on his numbers from last year. And if you picked him up in the 15th, 16th rounds and later last year, he, he was a league winner for you. He did have a few injury concerns, um, but it's clear from the preseason that Jalen Samuels is not going to be uh, a huge challenger or contender. He might come in for some relief play and maybe a couple of passing, uh, receiving plays from the, from the backfield, but he's not going to be a huge influence to to James Conner. And that backfield yields a, a, a running back one, running back two every single year. We've seen it time and time and time again. Um, so I see some some positive regression in, in those categories for him. And just the, the more I see uh, the, what's going on in Pittsburgh, you know, you've got a very unclear uh, number two receiver there. Um, they haven't really sorted that out. Um, and then it looks like, you know, you've got Juju, who's bona fide there, but you don't have the weapons that were there last year. You've got Ben, who's another year older, who will look to dump off a little bit more. Um, I, and you've got James Conner, who's good with his hands. I just think, for me, James Conner is, is someone who is, uh, dare I say, slightly undervalued and a player that I think is going to deliver well for you. It's just purely if he can play 16 games, I think he, he probably can and, and more likely will. Yeah, it's not a bad shout. I think I still like taking a running back, unless I'm picking right at the very turn. I like to take a running back still in the first round. And for me, my first round pick's Nick Chubb. Um, with Duke Johnson leaving the Browns, it, it suddenly all became Nick Chubb. And maybe Dontrell Hillard gets a few catches out of the backfield, but... It's just it's all aboard Nick Chubb now, and and when you consider he wasn't the starter last year, I think of the running backs left in the first round, is the most likely I think to be able to break into the top four just because of if the Browns can get ahead in games early <clears throat> with the firepower they've got, I think then they'll be running the ball more, and if Chubb gets even more carries, I mean last year he started he was the starter from week seven or week eight something like that, and throughout the league he had. He finished as the 10th overall rushing yard leader with 996 yards, had 5.2 yards of curry, a curry, a carry, <clears throat> eight touchdowns, and then he was tied 17th for carries with 192, and that was basically half the season. So I think sky's the limit for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt coming back after nine weeks, including their bye. I just think by then Chubb could have cemented his place so well that it will be his show and Kareem Hunt will be the third down back like Duke Johnson is going to be. Yeah, I, I mean, definitely with Duke Johnson going, his opportunity and everything goes up. And, you know, the, the one thing I would say is, is, is Nick Chubb. I, he probably wasn't someone I was taking in the top two rounds because of the Kareem Hunt situation. We, we've talked about it in articles, we've talked about it on the pod. Um, I mean, get rid of Duke Johnson does open up his opportunity. The, the, the issue for me is still twofold. One is he doesn't catch a lot out, out of the backfield and that's something that he will need to improve. And I think that's the only reason I couldn't take him in the first round because uh, it's the same reason with like Derek Henry, even though he, he seems to be a really good runner and will put the yards up. If he's not catching in the in the backfield in a PPR format or a half PPR format, he'll be behind uh, some of the other guys like Left Bell, uh, like like Mixon, for example. So I think that's something to, to still be a little cautious about. But I do think you're right. I think he can take away the the um, Kareem Hunt problem which is the other half of that equation um, if he can really cement the job like you say in the first nine weeks and then it gets to week 10 there's no reason now especially now Duke Donson's gone that um, Hunt can come in as the the third down back and, and Nick Chubb's there on, on the first two downs to, 
to make hay. So yeah, his, his opportunities definitely got a lot better now that Duke Johnson has, has gone. And, and Kareem Hunt's also had surgery, you know, hernia problems. So he's going to be out. I mean, he's going to be back on the same time frame anyway. But if he has some ill effects of that surgery or it doesn't quite rehab properly, Nick Chubb could be uh, a, a strong league winner. So, uh, uh, yeah. Thanks. Well, considering I took the second pick of the first round, I'm going first in the second snake draft. You know how we do. And I'm staying in the Browns and I'm taking OBJ. I think of the wide receivers available at this point, he's got by far the most upside. If he can stay healthy, I mean, he's played less games than he's missed. So that is a big concern. But I think he has league winning upside. I think I've got him to get 283-ish fantasy points in full PPR. So... That's quite a few if you can, obviously my, it's over 16 games, projected over 16 games. He gets around 2.7 fantasy points per touch. So if he plays all season, that's how you get your number. I think Jarvis Landry isn't going to be a problem. Now, my only concern for OBJ, other than the injury, is the start of the season. He gets the Tennessee Titans first off. Now, I know what you're thinking, the Browns are going to destroy them. But actually, the Titans' pass coverage <clears throat> is pretty good. Uh, then they take on the Jets. Who knows what that defense is going to be like? And then they go to the LA Rams. They're at Baltimore. They're at San Francisco, which is a pretty good, pretty good matchup. So your first four weeks is tough. Then from week five onwards, they've only got. So yeah, for the next ten weeks, including their bye week, they've only got one team in the top ten. Uh, top yeah, top ten. So they face New England in week eight. But after that, all the teams they face are pretty poor against the pass. So OBJ, if it could feast on them. And I think in the second round, if you've gone running back early, I think, you know, OBJ at the start of the second is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, definitely he's a, he's a great second round guy, um, way upside. So taking him in the second round is, is, is good. I, he's a player I couldn't take in the first round. Um, it purely goes back to something we've talked about in the pod quite a few times, which is a, a new wide receiver uh, on a new team. And I think there's, they, they take some time for the chemistry to appear between the quarterback and the wide receiver. And OBJ has not played a great deal with the preseason. Um, preseason isn't overly important to, say, someone like Julio Jones, who has played with Matt Ryan for a very long time. And they clearly have an understanding. Those two don't need a game uh, in the preseason that doesn't matter to build chemistry and relationship. Maybe a, a snap here and there for some ribbon, but you know they're getting that on the practice field. So. But I think with with OBJ, I think I would have liked to have seen him play a little bit more in that pre in the preseason, just to uh, build up a little bit more chemistry in in game situations as opposed to just what happens on the practice field. So I do think, in, especially with that tricky start, I do think that he's going to be very difficult to uh, outperform expectation in the first four or five games. But I think you're right. I think once the the, the 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 time has happened, I think he can go very big, and I think especially if you can get to the playoffs. I think he's someone in the fantasy playoffs. He could be uh, huge. But I do just, without air some caution, that those first four weeks could be bumpy um, and just be prepared that, that you might not get the same production at the start that you will at the finish. For sure, for sure. Uh, I've gone with, in the second round, I've gone with uh, current... Uh, Current, uh, well, he's not the current offensive player of the year that went to Pat Mahomes from last year, 2017's offensive player of the year, which was uh, Todd Gurley. Uh, Todd Gurley led the league last year in uh, in rushing, rushing touchdowns, in uh, fantasy points. 
he accumulated more fancy points than any player other than Patrick Mahomes last year. Um, and I think people are really scared about what happens with uh, his knee. And he's got arthritis. And I've said this on the pod and I'll say it again. So what? Uh, half of us have arthritis. Anyone that's had a surgery, you've got arthritis in your knee. And I remember when I told you that, you're a bit upset. Uh, I've got some probably in my shoulder, right? It, it happens. And it's something he's had for nearly five years now. So you weren't minding him with his arthritis when he was, you know, winning new leagues. So why is it any different just because he didn't show up in the playoffs last year? And it purely is just he was run down. Uh, he wasn't given a lot of support. And I think he will see a regression in, in you know, rushes and he'll see a regression in targets and probably even snaps. But I still don't think it's going to be significant. If Todd Gurley is on the field for 75% of the time that he was on the field uh, last year, he's still going to be a top five running back in the NFL because he's that good. And that is a really, really important thing to understand. And if you can get yourself a top four, top five, top six running back in the second round, I don't know why you wouldn't do it. We've been taking him everywhere. We got him late in the second round in the SFB. We got him late in the second round in the Raz Bowl. We got him late in the second round almost anywhere. Um, and sometimes we've even reached and grabbed him at the end of the first because we do believe in his talents. If he gets injured, he gets injured. But I don't think his injury profile is as bad as to say someone like Dalvin Cook as Leonard Fournette. Um, and he certainly has the upside beyond those guys. So I think taking Todd Gurley in the second round is a player that is going to deliver you very well and uh, is going to keep you in great stead all through the you know your fantasy season. Do you, uh, do you know his current ADP in standard, Murph? No, he's got to be what? Two, two, no, ten? One, one, eleven. He's one back eleven. into the first one. See, I looked at this on, PP, on half PPR and PPR, and he's a two ten, two oh nine. That makes no sense. Yeah. So he's higher in standard than he is in PPR. Yeah, well, he's currently, he's now the two oh three in half PPR. Literally, I'm looking at it right now. He's currently the 2.3 on half and the 111 on standard. Uh, yeah, crazy. Um, but I, I, well, it's not crazy. He, he is, for me, I, if, if his ADP was still like, was like the 106, 107, I'd be hammering it there. But, I mean, I wouldn't take him at the 106, 107 if I feel I've got a chance to get him in the second round, which is what we've done quite a few times, even though we have that kind of grade, or I, I especially have that kind of grade and talent on him. Um, and I'm not as worried about his arthritis as other people. Um, I, I would take him there quite comfortably at the 106-107. You know, I think outside of the top four players, he, he's the player I would, I would grab anywhere. Um, and you'll see that in our rankings on, on the website that, you know, outside of those top four, he, he's the player I would take over. DJ, uh, and I love David Johnson as a player, but I'm not sold on that Arizona offense just yet. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think you can't, you can't get enough shares of Gurley personally. So, uh, we'll see what happens through the season and I could be made to look a bit stupid or I could be made to look like a genius but I, I feel pretty comfortable taking the second round um, moving on to the third round um, back to me I have gone with Devonta Freeman um, I cannot believe Devonta Freeman is still at this point in the season it's still got an ADP uh, in the in the third round and I just don't understand it and it's purely people scared of the fact he didn't play last year he had a very um, 
he had a, a serious injury, but he would have come back for the end of the season if the Falcons were uh, relevant and pushing for the playoffs. But they weren't, and so the Falcons just sort of stood him down. He could have come back week 14, week 15, week 16, uh, 15, 16, 17. But they chose to really stand him down. Uh, he was getting ready from about week 12, week 13, and I think they were considering it. And then we saw what happened. They didn't win enough games, and they, they missed the playoffs. So uh, they let that one go. And I think he has this unfortunate, he's always injured tag. But outside of last season, every other season he played in the NFL, he averages 15 and a quarter games a season. So he doesn't have a history of injuries. He has a history of leading games with, with concussion, um, which happened two or three times. But he's had one injury in his career that he rehabbed and was ready for at the end of last season. If he had done it at the end of the season, I would understand his ADP more. But the fact that he missed the whole season, was pretty much ready by the end of the season, he's now had the whole off-season to continue that rehabilitation and to get back to full health. He wouldn't have played football for about a year. I just think he's primed to go massive in this offense. He's got no competition. Ito Smith proved last year he, he can't do more than the odd piece of hand, you know, stat, you know, catching and relief work. But he's not going to be threatening Devonta Freeman. And he was fantastic when he had Tevin Coleman in that backfield and he held him off. And Tevin Coleman's no longer there. So he's going to monopolize all those touches in the backfield. Plus, he's a great catching back. He's great for PPR. I think Devonta Freeman is easily an RB1 this year. And any RB1 you can grab in the first round, you've got to do it. And he is an automatic. If he's there available in the third round in any league I'm picking in, he's an automatic pick for me. I don't even need to look at the rest of the board. I don't even need to look at roster construction. Even if I've gone RB, RB, I'm taking Devonta Freeman because I just think he is someone who is very special. He's already been a, a number one overall player in fantasy football in the past, and he's got that in his locker still. I am completely on board. I don't have anything to say because, you know, we've picked him everywhere. And he's, I just, 2015 was the number one running back, yeah, which a few years ago, and people concerned about the injuries, Murph, like you say, but he doesn't miss games. Apart from last season, I know you've already said it, but he doesn't miss games. And it's recency bias that are scaring people him off into the third round. Yeah, and, and I think we are pretty risk-averse players, you and I. I, I. I don't think we're the most risk-averse, but we will not pick. I mean, I especially will not pick players like um, Leonard Fournette or Dalvin Cook because I do not believe they're going to play 16 games. I don't think there's a chance that they play 16 games. So they will never, ever fit into my uh, profile of second-round, third-round ADP, and therefore they're players I want to take. So the fact that we are quite risk-averse and we're, we're passing players like that if we're saying that we think Devonta Freeman is a third-round pick and we're hammering that all day long, I think he's better. I'd, I'd take him in the late second if I didn't think I was going to get him in the third. I don't understand. You know, I, I just think for me, he, he plays 16 games barring some freak injury. I don't think it's going to be a recurrence of the same injury. No, no. And he's in one of the most higher... He's, the Falcons are going to score points this year. They're going to run the ball more, but they're going to score points. And I think... If they're up in games through scoring points, he's going to get more ball. So I don't, I just don't think there's people like Damian Williams now, especially with the shady news. Joe Mixon, they've got a terrible offensive line. Leonard Fournette, these guys are all good running backs in poor situations. And then you've got Devonta Freeman going almost around, he's going exactly around after Joe Mixon. And his situation is magnificent. It's yeah. just a no brainer. And he's got no competition there. It's not like he's got anybody there that's going to be taking significant um, 
output away from it. So yeah, I just think Hammer. If if you're still drafting, uh, you know, definitely Hammer Devonta Freeman anywhere because I think he's he's going to be. Uh, I think I've got him graded at ninth overall running back this year, um, and it's pretty close um, for him to go up maybe a little bit higher. So um, I'm I'm comfortable he'll be an RB one at the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. My third round is Carry On Johnson, and that is purely because. I drafted him in my main dynasty league last year and had nothing but love for him. And he went on to the IR. And now I think Theo Riddick's gone. That smashes him into the third down role as well as being the main running back. People were worried about CJ Anderson. And then all of a sudden they released Sack Zena. He was a little bit troublesome last year. And I just think it's all carry on now all the way through until, <laughs> until they need to rest. And then CJ Anderson comes in. He might. He might get a few goal line touches here and there, CJ Anderson, but I think it's carry on all the way. The Lions want to run the football, and to be able to get him at the 304, I, just, I love it. I mean, if I was in the top three picks and I wanted to go running back heavy, if, especially if it was a two receiver league and you're taking one of those top three, if you can then get carry on at the end of the second year, it's a bit of a reach, but then you flip back and get Devonta Freeman, oh my goodness. That is unreal. I'd, I'd be on that all day long. I just, it's too good for me. Murph, sorry, quickly. You're currently got Devonta Freeman as your seventh running back, which is which is quite nice. I did move him up. I had him at nine, so I think I moved him. I think I did move him up um, this week. Um, I think I moved a couple of players down to, to accommodate. I think I might put Zeke behind him, so I think he might drop back a spot um, just because I was unsure with Zeke's situation. So, um, but yeah, anywhere around that seven to nine spot is where I think Freeman uh, hits up. My goodness, you are low on Dalvin Cook. <laughs> where do I have Dalvin Cook? Probably somewhere in the 20s, right? Yeah, 22. Yeah. <laughs> we'll save that for the Dalvin Cook hate podcast because we just don't have time. I what don't I think hate we should him, do I just it. don't think he plays. <laughs> yeah, you, just, just... you just hate more than 21 other people. <laughs> well, I think he does well to, in the 10 games he's going to play. To finish as, the, as an RB2, I think it's good. So I think it's more of a compliment to him. Yeah, that's fair. Do you think he's going to play more or less games than Len Fournette? Less. Okay, that's fair. You've got that reflected in your rankings. I was trying to catch you out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have my rankings in front of me, but I, I know them well enough, I think, to, to know that, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fine. I was just, you know, I was just being silly. Um, Murph, we've, we've hit the hour mark, mate. I think what we should do is we should just have a quick-fire run through our players and then if people want a, a really in-depth look into why we've taken these players and what round, then they can go onto the website and check out our article, which is going to come out following this podcast. What do you reckon? Yeah, that sounds good. Maybe we give like a 10-second explanation per player. Yeah, yeah, at least for the up to like round 10, then we can start to, you know, if people have any questions, then yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, I, uh, Cameron Johnson, my next one is Cooper Cup. I absolutely love Cooper Cup. I'm not sure why. I just, I think he embodies everything. I imagine if I was to be a wide receiver, then I would be Cooper Cup. And he wears my lucky number. So I think this year he comes out as the Rams' number one receiver. Jared Goff absolutely loves him in the end zone. And if he can stay fit and play 16, especially if Todd Gurley isn't on the field as much in red zone situations, I think Cooper Cup could get 12, 15 touchdowns. I mean, last season he had six. Yeah, it's bold. That's bold. Just saying. I, I think I think he's going to be their, one of their main weapons. 
I don't think their tight ends get used much. And like I said, Gurley could miss a bit of time. He was the, I think he was the wide receiver two or something going into week 10 last year. And it was only through injury. He missed week six, left in week 10 and didn't come back. But he had a touchdown in every other game. So he went ham against the Minnesota Vikings in week 462 yards, two touchdowns against the Vikings. And it's because he plays out the slot. You don't get many good slot covers. And I really like Cooper Cup. Yeah, I, I do as well. Um, and I think he is a player, you know, I, I always target in that fourth round. If I do have the choice between Brandon Cooks and, and Cooper Cup, I'll always go with Brandon Cooks. And it's purely down to how affected is uh, Cup from that ACL. And that is my literally only tiebreaker is, is he going to start a bit slow? Because he's, I mean, he's obviously right because he, he suffered it early enough, I think. But, and I think with Brandon Cooks, you know what you're getting. Um, and I guess that's the risk averse that we talk about. I do think um, you can nail on Brandon Cooks to be a uh, wide receiver 11 to 15. And you could pretty much take that to the bank right now. Um, whether it's, a, you know, with Cup, I think his range of outcomes is he could be a top five wide receiver, but he could be a wide receiver 24 as well. So, and that's really down to the injury. Yeah, let me put your mind at rest, Murph, on that. He's athletic measurables are all better than they were before the knee. So, you know, he's bigger, stronger, faster, harder. There's nothing to worry about. Yeah, well, I mean, if that, I, I like the player. We take, we've taken him in quite a few teams. And I think that is someone that I think uh, definitely um, considered, you know, he's definitely one to, to consider and, and think about. So, um, yeah, it's he's a good player. I, I really like him. I can't fault taking him in the, in the fourth round at all. And if, if Brandon Cooks isn't there, he's the player I hammer in that position. Um, although the player I actually have in, in my fourth round is, is Melvin Gordon. Um, this is the guy who missed four games last year and he was still the running back six uh, overall. He is someone that, you know, could potentially be back for week one. He might be out for week one. But as I said, last season, played 12, finished as the running back six. Uh, he's someone that doesn't need any explanation to his talent and what he can do. It is purely, is he going to be on the field uh, for the first week, second week? I think if you can start with two running backs and can afford to sit him on your bench for a week or two while they sort this mess out, I think you're going to be rewarded finally in the long run. Now, they have said that he can seek out a trade. Um, I don't know if that's a negotiating tactic. The Chargers saying that he can do that or if that's something that might get resolved sooner rather than later as a result of the trade. Either way, I think if, if he can be back by week three um, or even week four, I think he justifies the selection in that round. It's just obviously then you've got a hole in your roster for a couple of weeks um, and you're going to have to be smart how you fill it. And I've got a recommendation. I think we both have the same recommendation in round eight as to how you can fill that for a couple of weeks. Round five, we've got Tyler Boyd. He's someone that broke out last year and he's continued to get better. Um, and the fact that there's no AJ Green for the first foreseeable three to four weeks, maybe potentially longer, um, I think that says to me that uh, he's going to get all of the attention in Cincinnati. Andy Dalton's not a terrible quarterback. He's, he's not in the realms of a Case Keenum, for example, and Eli Manning. He's someone who can throw the boys. He's, he's called, it's called the Dalton line for a reason, right? He's, he's average, and that's that's fine if you're not having to wrestle a lot of targets from anybody. You, you know, it's going to be him and John Ross and uh, uh, Damon Willis. They're the three guys who are lining up week one, it looks like. So I can't imagine Tyler Boyd is going to be losing a significant amount of targets to, to Willis and to 
and to John Ross. So I think he's going to get a lot, especially in those early weeks. I think he's going to do really well, but he actually performed better with AJ Green on the field than without to alleviate any concerns. So if he is available in the fifth round, um, he's someone that I would be heavily targeting. It used to be Chris Godwin, but now he's slid into the fourth. I think that's just, you're buying him above his ceiling. And I think that's uh, something you've got to be a bit wary of. And I think I'd almost take uh, Tyler Boyd one round later because I don't think they're going to, I think Boyd will actually outperform Godwin this year. Tasty. That is bold. So my fifth round pick is Mike Williams, Chargers wide receiver. I think if Keenan Allen is slightly injured, Mike Williams, he's an absolute beast of a human being. And he showed it last year. He's big play, touchdown. And if you're getting him, if you're getting him as your second or third receiver and you've got a consistent lineup ahead of him and you're playing for upside already, Mike Williams, I don't think there's anybody with higher upside at that position at this point in the draft. His upside is ginormous considering the amount of touch, long touchdown plays he gets. So I really like Mike Williams in the fifth. And then my sixth round pick is another charger. It's my boy, Hunter Henry. Well, not my boy, but maybe one day. He's, um, I wrote an article on the website about him, and I think there's possibility that he could break out definitely into the top three and could even be the number one tight end in fantasy. I know that's a big ask because Travis Kelsey is a beast, but I think it's possible the way the chargers use the tight end, the way Philip Rivers targets tight ends ridiculously I mean Antonio Gates was at his prime the tight end position he was at 100 and 112 15 receptions a year so I think that's just money money in the bank yeah I think if you're getting him in the sixth round I mean you know if you're taking Kelsey in the second who are you giving up for that you're giving up a Beckham or or a Juju not Juju maybe but you know Julio or Gurley someone in that Gurley exactly Gurley you can't tell me you'd rather go uh Kelsey and then someone rubbish in the Mike Williams. You do not want to go Kelsey Williams over Gurley, Hunter, Henry. There's no chance. There's no chance at all. So just bag him, tag him in the sick value all day, I reckon. Fair enough. I, I, yeah, I, I like Hunter Henry. Um, again, it's just the injury for me. I think if he can uh, play 16 games, he's going to well outperform his, his ADP for sure. Um, so I'm going to talk about my six and seven round picks uh, quite together um, at the same time, actually, because they're teammates, that's DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Now, Curtis Samuel has seemed to be the darling of the offseason. Uh, and, you know, we were drafting in April and you were able to get him in the 10th, 11th round. And now he's uh, heavily in the seventh. I mean, Matt Harmon with his reception perception has brought out uh, a real compelling case as to how good this guy is. And, uh, you know, Matt Harmon's been right about quite a few uh, wide receivers in the past, uh, Tyler Lockett most recently. So... Um, you have to take everything he says uh, well and truly on board. And, you know, he's a big fan of Curtis Samuel. Now, DJ Moore, on the other hand, has seen a little bit of a value drop. He was a fifth-round player. He's dropped into, back into the sixth round purely on that speculation of is he going to have the volume now that Samuel is picking up the uh, the slack and is there going to be enough passing value when you've got um, CMC in that backfield? And, and absolutely you do. So, you know, Cam's biggest criticism is the fact that he doesn't um, complete a lot of passes and he perhaps doesn't have the same passing volume and it's a very run-heavy offence. But last season, Cam going into, uh, before his injury, I think it was uh, week nine, week 10, for example, I think he was uh, the quarterback four. And, you know, he was passing, his passing numbers were there up there was the best of his career. His completion percentage was um, the highest it's ever been. It's because he's got North Turner there in that offense coordinating and there's going to be plenty of room for the first round pick DJ Moore who I think will get 
more volume. And the fact that he's gone from the fifth to the sixth round is like, it's, it's amazing to me because I'm picking him up everywhere in the sixth round because he's, he's, has, he's a special talent. First receiver, uh, first wide receiver off the board last year. I think he's going to deliver some very, very good numbers. Uh, yes, he might not get the touchdowns of, say, someone like uh, you mentioned, Mike Williams. But I think he's got a much safer floor with his volume uh, in terms of uh, catches, receptions and, and yards. Uh, and Curtis Samuel is a player with immense talent. We talked about him just a second ago with the reception perception. So he's someone that uh, is a pure route runner. He, he's excellent in the, in the way that he does it. Um, he's a real technician of the game. Got a lot of speed. Um, but a lot of skill. And he's someone that will be very efficient with his catches. So he might not get the volume that DJ Moore has, but what he will get um, is a better completion percentage, better catch percentage. Um, and he will do perhaps a little bit more with the with the um, opportunities that are given to him. I'd expect him to be this year's Tyler Lockett in terms of those kind of efficiency metrics of what he does with a little volume. Yeah. One thing I would mention on both those guys as well is they have rushing upside. I think DJ Moore finished with over 100 yards rushing last year. So if you're in a league where you get bonuses for rushing attempts, those two offer you a little better value in that fifth, sixth range as well. Yeah, Chris Semler had almost 250 yards rushing last year. Well, there you go. That's even better than the 100 and something for DJ Moore. Yeah. Sorry, Matt. My seventh round uh, is Alan Robinson, Bears wide receiver. He's the wide receiver one at the Chicago Bears guys, and he's going in the seventh round. That's just disrespectful on its own. I mean, the, the guy in 2015 had 16 touchdowns, I think, 1,400 yards. Something. It was it was ridiculous season. Yeah, he's been injured, and he, but he's still the wide receiver one in a good offense that is expected to take a step forward from last year. So I think to get if you could get a wide receiver one in the seventh round, I, I'm, I'm all aboard that. I mean, one for his team, not necessarily a, a top 12 wide receiver. But if you're getting a wide receiver two for fantasy in the seventh round, I... It's just value at that point. And I think he, he offers upside in an offense that should progress more this year. I think, you know, Matt Nagy's shown that he can run an offense well. And I think Mitch Trubisky takes a step forward. And with that, Alan Robinson will as well. And then our round eight pick, Murph, you can talk about him as well, is Matt Creator. I wrote about it in an article on the website. I, I tried to predict that he was going to be the, the Devonta Freeman to the Tevin Coleman role in, in Atlanta. And... I think that's going to happen again. The way you looked in the preseason was fantastic. And I think he's going to be the first, second down guy. Tevin Coleman's going to come in for catching and change of pace. But then Brady can catch the ball as well. And now Jeremy McKinnon's done for the season to get him. I think if you get him over the next couple of days, I think his value is going to increase ADP-wise. But if you've got him cheap, I think it's a steal at that price. Yeah, I think we took Matt Parida in like the 12th or 13th round early on the season, uh, in draft season. So uh, his price is going up and up and I think it will it will continue to rise. I think he'll end up being a seventh round pick um, before long. And and the thing with Matt Parida is he is someone last year who did this. So he was someone who came into camp. He was the second, third choice running back and he won the job. Uh, part of it was durability, but the other half was just talent and what he put out on the field. You know, he, he, put, he put over 800 yards last year uh, on the ground. And, you know, Kevin Coleman is someone who has immense talent but has never really delivered in the NFL. And I do like Kevin Coleman, and I'll take any lead Carl Shanahan back. And, you know, we've taken Coleman in quite a few places for that reason. But it would not shock me if we're getting into the fantasy playoffs and the man who is holding the job is Matt Breeder. Um, and I think he delivers very, very well there. So 
Uh, Matt Breeder is definitely someone who, in the eighth round, is just an absolute value, and you should be hammering that. That's another one that, if he's available, you're in the eighth round, don't think about it, just, to, just hit the button and go. Um, round nine, I've gone Sterling Shepard, and for the life of me, I, I still don't understand why Sterling Shepard is a ninth-round pick, because he's got, other than Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram, no, um, no one competing for targets. Uh, literally no one. It, it's not like, oh, yeah, there's a couple of guys on the roster. It, 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 there isn't anyone. I mean, Golden Tate is suspended for four games, and when he comes back, maybe he might eat into some of that volume. But everyone else on, the, on that roster is absolute garbage. Absolute garbage. Just There's just no reason. They all showed it in the preseason, just how bad they all are. So he is just going to be absolutely dominant. In a PPR format, he's easily getting nine, ten catches a game because there isn't anyone else to throw to. So you're already getting your, your PPR floor just on him grabbing without him going anywhere. He could literally catch 10 passes for one yard and he'll get 11 points. Like, it's just like, it's just, I don't even know. You're not even having to bank on how good Eli or Daniel Jones is. And Danny Dimes himself is going to be, playing, he'll be in this offense sooner rather than later. And he's looked great in the preseason. You know, we're all quick to knock him and I was as well. Um, him going sick overall, but he is trying to justify that selection with how he has played uh, in the preseason. And I think that's important is he'll come in and refresh things. It depends how long they stick with it you like. But I think he's a player that will start strong, might have a low in the middle, but I think come playoffs with Danny Dimes in there, I think he's going to be huge. And I think, you know, you've got guaranteed volume and any player in the ninth round, you know, there isn't anyone around that range other than maybe Marvin Jones, who I still don't think has the volume of... Sterling Shepard, there isn't anyone in that realm that you can guarantee and take to the bank what he's going to put out in terms of production. So Sterling Shepard, ninth round, easy, easy decision for me. Do you want to uh, finish it off with your 10th round now? Yeah, so I would say uh, James Winston in the 10th round. So um, I think he's going to, you know, under Bruce Arians, there's, no, there's not the competition of last year. Um, last year, he put up some excellent fantasy numbers, even though he wasn't necessarily productive in the uh, you know, in, in the actual sort of game phase itself and in real life. And I think this, he's a prime example of a player who um, fantasy numbers uh, far outweigh what he does in actual production in real games because his numbers are absolutely outstanding. And he will he will score over 30 touchdowns this year. I've got absolutely no doubt. Uh, Bruce Arians will uh, get him to score more red zone touchdowns, which is something he hasn't done very well in the last couple of years. So I see huge... Uh, positive or a yeah, positive regression in terms of his touchdowns um, scored and especially in the red zone and I think he's got a great complement of talent and receivers to, to aim at who will pull those big plays in to do that so 10th uh, round for, for Jameis Winston hit that button all day long and draft him because I don't think you're going to get anyone better uh, in that in that range of outcomes I would say the other ones I just want to shout out uh, two more players in here so one uh, 13th round Albert Wilson the player we talked about heavily he's a player that if you can grab him I think he's going to go off he's going to be fit for week one so we talked about him at depth but definitely try and grab him and the last one's a kicker surprise which is Matt Gay he's won the job in Tampa uh, he's got great long legs so in those standard scoring kicking formats he's going to score you quite a lot of uh, uh, late 14 50 yard field goals he's been knocking them in from 53-55 in preseason and two game-winning kicks. Uh, the curse of the Buccaneers kicker seems to uh, hopefully have uh, passed uh, with the signing of Matt Gay. So uh, they're players I would uh, be looking to, to target later on. 
fire the cannons. So my ninth and tenth round picks are both upside wide receivers. My ninth is James Washington. My tenth is Geronimo Allison. They're both, I think, well, Geronimo Allison maybe not so much, but MVS, I couldn't talk about him anymore. So I went with Geronimo Allison in the tenth. I think the slot guy at Green Bay under Aaron Jones, he was pretty good last year until he got injured, Geronimo Allison. And I think if he could play all 16, I've said that a lot on the podcast today, I've picked a lot of risky players. But, you know, that's part of, at this part of the draft, you're looking for upside. And if Geronimo Allison plays all 16, his upside is huge. And then James Washington, I think he's going to be locked in as the wide receiver too. I don't think anything of Dante Moncrief. And I think James Washington vaporises Moncrief early in the season, cements his role as the second. And we've all seen what the second wide receiver in Pittsburgh can do, i.e. Juju last year. So I just love James Washington's value. Uh, one more I would like to mention is 11th round Justice Hill. If Mark Ingram can't get the job done up in Baltimore, Justice Hill proved in college he's good for a workload. They don't want to use him that way, but they might do. And if you're getting a team that runs the ball as much as the Ravens, if you're going to get their running back one or two in the 11th and he catches the ball, I'm all aboard. Yeah, I'd throw in there as well, based on the news of Shady yesterday, uh, wheels up on um, Devin Singletree. If you can get him in the 12th, 13th round now, we, we wrote these a couple of days before that cut, even though we were sort of expecting it. We've been hammering uh, we've been hammering him in the in the in drafts this season. So um Devin Singletree is one that I definitely am interested in that twelfth, thirteenth round because uh he's gonna have very little competition, especially a lot less now that Shady's gone. One hundred percent. Right Murph, that's ten rounds done. That's us, brother. It is it's good to be back. Although uh you're off next week, so that's you're off to the sunny world of uh, Centre Parks, not not Botswana, so at least it's a slight upgrade. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have to get any currency change, which was good news. Otherwise, I would have had to phone you and Rich up for some advice. But yeah, I am I am going to be taking a week off. It's not ideal. It's the first week of the NFL season. But it's got to the point in the year where my mind's telling me yes, my body's telling me no. And my mind, my mind has also quickly discovered that it should be saying no, not yes. So I'm taking a week out, Rush Nation. And uh, I'm going to leave you in Murph's capable hands. Yes, we're going to have some shows this week. Um we will get them out uh, in the usual times, we hope. Um, just some final things to finalise before we uh, confirm what they're going to be. So tune in next week. Uh, we'll, we will do something exciting for sure. Uh, and then we'll also do some coverage of uh, the Thursday night game, I think, uh, for Friday. So stay tuned uh, for the podcast and get ready for a long season Rush Nation. You know, it's interesting. Draft season has been incredible, for, definitely fatiguing for you and me. I'm, I'm done and I'm a little bit glad to be done. I'm sure I won't be saying that in a couple of weeks' time, but um, <laughs> at the end of the day, what, what all you've done in the draft is built the foundation of your house. Now what we have to do week by week, brick by brick, is build you a, a championship-winning team. You know, you cannot win your league at the draft. You have to uh, work every week, and that involves some clever waiver-wire uh, transactions. And stay tuned here, because we'll be giving you waiver-wire updates every Monday. Um, that are going to help you stay one step ahead of your league mates and deliver you those W's and hopefully those titles. Yes, sir. We've got waivers coming thick and fast starting from next week. I cannot wait for the season. It just doesn't feel, 16 weeks does not feel long enough now. I feel like it's going to fly by and then we'll be doing this all over again. So we said it last off season. It just doesn't stop. Rush Nation, 5 year rush. It goes year round and I love it. Absolutely love it. Murph, this has been a pleasure, mate. I'm so pleased to have you back. It's good to be back, man. It's been great to... I know we haven't done this in person. We did catch up uh, very briefly with the wives and so on the break, but 
we will uh, we will endeavour to be more in person uh, every week. It's been a you know a life adjustment welcoming Milo into the world and uh, making sure both him and Mrs. Murphy are, are well catered for and stocked up. So and also started a new job, so that added some extra uh, pressure and stress um, into into life. Yeah, it has all been going on. So Rush Nation, I will see you in a week and a bit's time. Now here's the keys. Look after her. And Rush Nation, as always, enjoy the first week of the NFL and the fantasy. But don't forget, keep rushing. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 